welcome to Slits and Giggles podcast. I'm Fiona. And I'm Jade. And what we're going to be talking about is the rather neglected dark side of Scotland. We've got plenty... To cover. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of gruesome history, some fun crimes and spooky stuff. Yeah, hauntings and... Legends. We, yeah, we might even talk about ourselves a wee bit. Uh, Super spooky. Yeah, that's the spookiest of all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... We decided, like, we're both a fan of podcasts. Uh, we listened to a lot. We actually met through last podcast on the left, which we love. Um, <coughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, basically, like... Oh, We've uh, both got backgrounds which involve studying crime. I've got a degree in criminology which involves Scottish history as well. So I've got the Scottish history, the Scottish history of crime, general history of crime, and things like social factors... Um, See, my background isn't even actually that. I'm actually, uh, I went to uni to do art, <laughs> but I've also done like lots of open university and I'm thinking of like actually doing more of it um, on like criminal psychology, um, witness uh, psychology, things like that. And it's it's quite interesting. So we both have like this love. Sorry, I'm picking up the dog. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking about this. Um, as I was sorry, as I was saying before, like we are big fans of podcasts, so we know there is so many covering this subject, and some of our favorite podcasts have even covered like things that we're going to go into. But we thought maybe we'd have the unique introspective that we are from Scotland. Um, we kind of know a bit about. Our culture through stories and grandparents, things like that. Um, yeah. And being general nerds. Yes. Uh huh. And also the fact like there's stuff that I'm going to be learning because I'm from Glasgow. You're I'm from, from Edinburgh. Yeah. So we have. To- well, I'm from our growth, but I live in Edinburgh. Are you? We have a uh, obviously different sides to tell. Um, East and West. Yeah, which and there is there's um which is we're a bit got, of a rivalry. Yeah, rivalry. Um, and we got on fine. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Please pause. Ah, okay, right. I so, think your dogs like you more than like, yeah. like me more than yeah. You we're like me. featuring a few <laughs> special guests. So if you hear any grunts, it's not me. It's not demons. It's pugs. Yeah, they do sound like demons. Yeah. Or those little eh, uh, those things from Grimmons. Toy Story, and they go oh. Oh, the aliens. You have been chosen. <laughs> That's what the dog. The claw. <laughs> Claw. It moves. <laughs> Basically, that's what my dogs are. Hi, I'm getting kisses. Right, so yeah, we're, this is the first podcast. How are you feeling about it, Fiona? Nervous, yeah. to say the least. Uh-huh, yeah. Not going to faint, not but tonight. You have your own little fuzzy stress ball. Yeah. It's not me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've got kids on my lap. <laughs> But uh, yeah, finally we're doing it. We've talked about this for like possibly a year. A year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's finally happening. Yeah. So. Fun times. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, uh, I think I've fucked up as much as I can fuck up. So this better work. I've double checked. I've che- pressed record. I have not spilled any more wine. Yeah. The, the laptop has been christened. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, we actually tried this before and then realised um, the microphone was not working. It was recording through the laptop. Yes. And then we got the microphone working and then it wasn't 
working through output. So we've had some technical difficulties, but everything is fine now, so hopefully it'll be smooth sailing. Plus, we don't have a clue what we're doing, so this is... We're amateurs. Yeah, we're definitely not a sleep podcast. So, yeah, welcome, uh, and we really hope you enjoy. Um, And we hope you understand our accents. Yes. um, Who wants to start? Jade wants to start. Jade, okay. (laughs) Right, so I'm going to talk about something that has been covered, well... We'd talked about it earlier, and I've heard a podcast, um, one of my favourite podcasts, My Favourite Murder, covered it, but I felt like um, they were covering it in a sense, or or other places in general, covered it in the sense that this is a true story. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was in Astonishing Legends. Right, okay. Um, I think theirs was actually pretty cool. Ah, I've not, I'll need to give that if a it listen. Was them. Yeah. Whoever you were, you were wonderful. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> I was really interested because I looked at the um, kind of background into it. Mm-hmm. I decided to dig a bit deeper in this because it isn't actually, it's not a true story. It's folklore because there is no evidence, as you'll find out as I read about this. So I'm going to be covering, I don't know if I've said this, sorry, but um, The Legend of Sonny Bean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so everybody, I mean, I pretty much think everybody in Scotland must know this story. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean... And anyone who's into weird stuff and has been to Edinburgh. Yeah, uh-huh. They've got a pretty cool thing in the dungeons, actually. Have they? Oh, yeah. See, I learned about it in school. It's probably not what you should be teaching, but... Um, yeah. They teach Christianity, <laughs> so, you know. True. <laughs> well, basically, this story is a tale of Alexander Bean and his incestuous and cannibalistic clan um, of 48 who terrorised Ayrshire... That wasn't me, it was. That was you. Um, yeah, the terrorised Ayrshire, which is in the west coast of Scotland. Ayrshire is like a coastal town. It, it's It's got in nice places. It's alright. Yeah, uh, some places aren't so nice. They l- lived there. The story dates from between the 1400s and 16 or 1700s, because there's so many stories. They were also allegedly responsible for the murder of a thousand people. So, here it goes. Alexander Bean, he was born in the 1500s um, in the East Lothians, which is kind of... Near Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. His father was a ditch digger uh, and a hedge trimmer. We don't actually know much. There isn't much about Alexander growing up or anything um, about his family other than his dad's occupation. He did try to follow his father into the family trade, but he didn't really like the idea of hard work, like most of us probably. Um, so he ran away and married a woman called Black Agnes Douglas. She sounds like a lovely woman. Charming. Yeah. So they set up residence in the caves of Benin in Ayrshire and they would survive by robbing and murdering locals and travellers that might across their path. So kind of like, sounds like highwaymen. Yeah. Yeah. They would keep their victims' belongings and they made use of their limbs and flesh like true hipsters. Um, they would pickle and salt them. People jerky. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. So I don't get it. Like, if they're taking their belongings, surely they've stolen a few things of value or maybe they just like to make use of everything. Um. Um, yeah, this provided like quite a high protein diet, um, obviously because they made use of it. 
uh, is there was 45 of them, sons, daughters and grandchildren, all related. Or 46? Because he said there was 48 of them total. What? He said there was 48 of them total, so it would have been 46. Ah, okay. Yeah, sorry. sorry. So, no, it's okay. Over time in the area, limbs were getting washed up in beaches, and a lot of people were kind of suspicious because people... Because limbs were washing up on beaches. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, they went unnoticed um, because they were so hidden in the caves. And initially, local innkeepers got accused of this because the lo- a lot of the victims, the, they were last seen in inns, so they'd assume it was the innkeeper that done it. Um, and this caused a lot of people um, got executed and it led for a lot of inns to shut down in the area and a lot of them uh, fled the area. But the beans, um, they did get caught. They were, a couple were returning from a local fair. They were killed and disemboweled by... The, no, they weren't. Yeah, that's right. Um, the woman was and the husband... Yeah, the husband. <laughs> Charmer. He, he just... He buggered off. Yeah, he fucked off like any true man would. Bye, missy. Bye, you just get disemboweled there. But luckily, um, another couple of fairgoers were returning and they came upon the scene, which scared the beans off. They got the woman and a group of them took her body to the magistrates. I don't know why you wouldn't take her to like a local hospital or morgue. Well, I mean, a hospital, she doesn't need because she's already dead. Yep. The magistrate, I'm assuming, is because he wants to see she got murdered. <laughs> we know who done it. <laughs> murder. There's been a murder. There's been a murder. You do it better. You can't eh, There's been a murder. Yeah, so they took it to the magistrates um, in Glasgow and they alerted the king. It was, as I found out, uh, King James and King the Sixth. King, king James, James the First sixth and Sixth. Are actually the same people because... Because King James the Sixth of England was... No... Because King James the Sixth of Scotland was the first king to rule England as well. Ah. This was just before the Union. The Union happened in 1707, the Union of the Crowns. Yeah, which is that is the when, Declaration of Arbroath? No, that was 1300 and something. Oh, right, okay. Um, that's where I'm from. The Union of the Crowns was basically putting both countries under the one rule. Okay. Um, and having the same parliament and stuff and all yeah. the nonsense that it's we're dealing with. still fuck us over. Yes, yeah, so he was <laughs> the first king of England who was called James. Right. And the sixth of Scotland Okay. James. So apparently he um, was fascinated by this and he, he personally took charge of... Uh, and took 400 men and bloodhounds with them. The bloodhounds found the cave. They basically, they directed the mob uh, to the cave where they basically witnessed the squalor they'd been living in. Uh, They witnessed gruesome scenes of limbs, guts, um, flesh. um, Making me hungry. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I I really want some, like, chicken skin. Chicken skin. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and, like, people's flesh hung up and to dry out to use as jerky (laughs) (laughs) so they got them uh, they took them to Leith or Glasgow again depending on different stories but you said you yeah in the ballad of Sonny Bean they mentioned being hanged in Edinburgh too ah which we will mention the ballad later um so yeah they took them to probably Leith 
where all the men were dismembered and they basically they left them to bleed to death to get the point across. The women, they were burned alive uh, in front of a crowd of, crowd of people, um, much to their enjoyment. So that's bas- that's a story. That's a rough kind of story. There are so many variations. Like I could tell like every point of view. But my why I don't believe uh, it's a true story, I just think it's folklore. And it was a case of gossip and a story would go around like the boogeyman and it was like modern day fear like sorry not modern day olden day fear mongering yeah like reading uh, the mail don't if you don't behave then sonny bean will get you yeah uh-huh so and then people changed the story um because they didn't have a lot to do back then i mean mm. they didn't have wi-fi it was just really sex and booze yeah yeah everybody's favorite so why don't you think it's true like have you looked into it yeah, sorry. I looked. I looked into um the term "sonny." That was actually a derogatory term for the Scots by the English, because this was a time of like upheaval and like a lot of fighting. And the story's never really been confirmed, and it's just been put down to invented stories. As I said, um the first evidence of the story um i looked into these things they were called chat books and it was around the 17th and 18th century and um, they were kind of like gossip magazines fake news yeah and it was socialites and the upper class that tended to read them mainly in england um yeah and it was possi- possibly these were used as a uh, propaganda uh, to try and portray the Scots as barbaric and cannibals and that it was Not nice people. Yeah, well, that's untrue. Completely unfounded, actually. Uh, and it was during the time of uh, the Jacobite uprising. Jacobite. Jacobite, sorry. Uh, there had been reports of cannibalism in the 1400s in Scotland, um, mainly because... Like the Highlands, it's so vast, and you lived a couple of hundred miles away. There wasn't like a local Tesco to go to, um, and you didn't have Prime now. Yeah, times of famine, yeah. nothing else to do but eat the dead. Yeah, the, so not that we're the only yeah, ones that have done it. This t- like this was a time where armies could just march in and like burn your place to the ground, and you didn't really have much of an income, and you'd be chucked off your land. So there was. Uh, high poverty like there was so much poverty in Scotland at this time so I think yeah that's maybe why some people had to resort to it there are no contemporary records of Alexander Bean and also no records of the victims in the media or official documents and because they did keep them back then they do exist it would have been considered a high profile story because the king got involved and um, because he was a bit like Trump and he liked to let people know his victories. And this was surely something that he would have used to say, look what I've done. Um, I'm so great. Yeah, so basically... He didn't claim it. He didn't mention it, so uh-huh. uh, pretty much rubbish. Yeah, he didn't mention it then. It did not happen. The only um thing that I did find was it is um, a guy that I'd never heard of. He's a real person. He was called Christy Gleek. Um, he was a butcher and he took up a highway robbery and murder in the Grampians around the 1340s. So it's quite similar to the story. You can see 
clippets of it that are kind of the same. Yeah, so that's why. Yeah, that's it, really. Uh, I'll leave you with the build of Sonny Bean and Funeral Read It because she's got a better accent than me. She sounds nicer. <laughs> They've hung them high in Edinburgh toon and likewise other kin and the wind blows cold on other banes and to hell they are again. <laughs> if you need that translated, basically, they hanged them in Edinburgh <laughs> along with all their family. The wind blows cold on all their bones and away to hell they go. <laughs> what did you think of that? Was yeah, it okay? yeah, it was good. Um, I'm just gonna say I'm an idiot. I said the Union of the Crowns was 1707, but it actually wasn't. It was 16. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was 1604, I think. The Union in seven in 1707 was the Union of the, the with the parliaments. Right. Okay. Like so, it was like one kingdom, united by two. Yeah, yeah, you said yeah. that. Uh huh. Right, okay. Well, you know, for all, we could have just lied and said it was that, because I don't even know that date. And, and well, I, no, because I like history. <laughs> so do I, I love history, yeah. but... And I did say at the start that I've got a degree which involves history, so I think it's best if I get my facts as accurate as I can. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I'm glad, uh, as I said, I'm glad that's over. Yeah, so... I'm I'm glad I got that out of the way and we're going to move on to you. Yay. (laughs) So what I'm going to be talking about, well, well, first a bit of history, because, you know, history nerd. Well, what are you going to be talking about? I'm getting into it, a bit of history about witchcraft and the witch trials in Scotland. Okay, yeah. Um, So in 1563, the Witchcraft Act was passed. Um, and this meant that practising witchcraft um, or consulting with witches were capital crimes punishable right. by death. Okay. The first of the main witch trials involved our friend James the First and Sixth. Oh, um, same did as me. Yeah. <laughs> he gets about. He does get about. And he was pretty involved with witchcraft in terms of denouncing it and speaking out against it. He actually wrote in the demonology book. Right. So they, they were like Christian were the Christian like values uh, back then? Um, a lot of it was to do with like the Kirk uh, rise of Christianity and being more enlightened and the and like. Getting back to like the Old Testament type thing. Yeah, like just different views. Like the views change depending on who was king yeah. and all that nonsense. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Kirk, if there was problems like with famine again, and we're having to resort to cannibalism, um, then. A lot of the time, folk healers and the like in cities and towns, mostly towns and villages, yeah. I'd say, who were well established and up until then were generally well respected because witchcraft was now seen as a crime, they were sort of lumped together. Yeah. So neighbours would be like, oh, it's old Johnny down the road, oh, he's a you're witch. Your uh, yoga instructor is <laughs> helping your rickets. <laughs> yeah. Um, down with that nonsense, down with that sort of thing. So old Johnny would be accused of witchcraft and he would be blamed for cursing the f- crops or making a family ill, that sort of... Because it's not unlike Scottish weather to be miserable? No, we've got lovely weather. It's... it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going about in, like, a skirt, T-shirt, cardigan. Yeah. 
And then you've got all the holiday makers who are bundled up in their Arctic gear with yeah. their three hats and six <laughs> pairs of gloves. But yeah, so um, James the First and Sixth, not a fan of witches. He reigned, by the way, between fifteen sixty seven and sixteen twenty five. Uh huh. That's when he was king. And what happened is once, well, one day he was on his way back from Copenhagen, having been to Denmark to meet Ooh, his. Oh, I've been there. Ooh, fancy. Um, he'd been over to meet his new bride, Princess Anne of Denmark, and take her home. Um, now, imagine. Bad weather in Scotland. What were we just talking about? Yeah. <laughs> just as they were coming towards Scotland, towards North Berwick, um, a storm came up, and it was pretty, pretty iffy out there for a while. And when they got back to land, all of a sudden there's this theory that oh this has been witchcraft this is a this is a conspiracy between witches in Scotland and Denmark to sink the King James ship and all aboard yeah and in North Berwick which is where the ship came into land and it's instead of being the hub of this plot between 70 to 100 people were accused of witchcraft and put through trials and the like overall in the main part of the witch trials between 4,000 and 6,000 people were prosecuted in Scotland, okay. which is three times as many as are prosecuted in England, okay. despite us only having a quarter of the population. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, there wasn't that many people. Yeah. Like, so that's was... like 12 for everyone in England. Wow, right, okay. It might be, I don't know, that was very quick math and probably very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And in Europe, most of the countries, the average was only like a quarter of that. Okay. As well, so like four times as many prosecuted in Scotland as there were on average in Europe, um, and of those four to six thousand, about fifteen hundred were executed, uh-huh. usually by strangulation and then burning or sometimes being straight to the stake. Yeah. The last executions actually took place in 1706, the year before the Union. Right. <laughs> and the last trial of the period took place around 1727. During the Great Scottish Witch Hunt in 1597, at least 400 were prosecuted between March and October of that year. And it's estimated about half of those people were executed. 75% of women... No. About 75% of the witches who were prosecuted were women, usually older women, and if it was younger women or men, it tended to be relations like sons and daughters or husbands. Okay. So it was more of a guilty by association. And like I was saying, a lot of them were folk healers who had helped communities for years, but then something goes wrong and, oh, it was them. Edinburgh has a particularly nasty history when it comes to the witch, witch trials. There's an estimated 300 witches burned at the stake, hanged, strangled or drowned in Edinburgh alone. There's actually a witch's well, which is like a memorial. Oh, right, wow. But I think it's the Tartan Mill on the Royal Mile. Okay, yeah. It's the one, it's like a face, and then there's a, it's almost like a flower pot. Okay. So, I've never never been there. I'll take you. Yeah, I've like been to Edinburgh so many times, but I've never like... I do a kick-ass spooky tour, so... Oh, good. Oh, can't wait to get this shit spooked out. <laughs> I will show you these places. <laughs> so, yeah, lots and lots of people killed for witchcraft. Um, one of the main tests as to whether someone was a witchcraft 
initially they would use they would do the prick test. They'd have a th- <laughs> I had a few prick tests <laughs> in that time. <laughs> no, what it was is it was assumed that witches had a mark, so like a freckle or a mole, something like that, and and they had this stick with a spike on the end. Yeah, and they would. Let me guess, if they stabbed them and if, they cried, they were a witch. If they stabbed the mark uh-huh. with the spike and the witch bled, she was human. A witch? Human. And if it didn't bleed, uh-huh. it's because they were a witch. Eventually people realised that these spikes were actually on springs inside of the stick. Uh-huh. So it wouldn't matter whether you were a witch or whether that was all a load of bullshit. You wouldn't bleed? Yeah, so uh, you're a witch. So... To the stake. <laughs> After they did that, they were like, right, we need to find something a bit more scientific. Yeah. Brilliant idea. Like, no smoking mirrors. Yeah. So, we'll cross their hands over their body and tie their right, opposite I'm, thumbs. Okay, I'm doing, I'm doing this right now. Tie. I actually took... A so, they would tie the, the right thumb... Right. To the left big toe. So, your left thumb that's on your right or your right thumb that's on your left? (laughs) Your right. right, So, you would... This is my right thumb. Yeah, your right thumb would cross over Uh and it would be tied to your left toe, your big toe. And then your left thumb would cross the other side and be tied to your right toe. So, like a cross. Yeah. So, you're hunched up. Kind of kinky. Yeah, kind of bondage thing. (laughs) Not quite rope play, it's just your toes and thumbs. Ah. Compromising position, though, nonetheless. Yeah. Because you would then be put on a sort of stool and duked. Okay. So, oh, you know, like, I'm sitting in a chair right now. Yeah. So, imagine it's a stool. I'm sitting here looking like, um... Half praying, half mantis. <laughs> like, and you're attached to your like your fing- your hands are attached to your toes here. But how tight? Well, you can't move. Oh, I mean, what if you tied it to loose? Like, and you're like, ah. I'm pretty sure they were thorough. Okay, right. Yeah. But, um, they would then put you into the water. So I'm going into a bath. And not quite a bath. You'd be going into the Norlock in Edinburgh, which it, was but, which. Can we please go back up inside? <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing about the Norlock, it's where Princess Street is now. It, oh, right. It was drained a couple hundred years ago. Wow, um, I didn't know that. They think it was a man-made reservoir built in around the 1400s, but it was basically yeah, a giant cesspit. One thing that hits me when I go to Edinburgh and you get out like the main train station... It's so it, fertile. It's Yeah, and then you've got like, Princess Street and then you've got the gardens, yeah. and but it's like... Yeah, you're there. It's a valley. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Because to get anywhere, you've got to go down this steep hill, and And then then you've got so it's like a ridge. Yeah, and you're like, so that's the Castle Rock that's on the volcano. Yeah, so because and that's Edinburgh is very hilly. I I think because Glasgow's everywhere you're going is up. Yeah, (laughs) because Glasgow's fairly flat. I'd say. Yeah, but But, because of these hills, you know the buildings are so tall. They're actually taller at the back than they are at the front. I love like looking out and I. I love drawing it as well. All the different levels of the rooftops and how it's like layer, it's like layers and la- if you look, just layers and layers yeah. and layers, and it's quite interesting because everything is not built on a level. It was built to accommodate. It was built it's, into the sandstone, yeah. the uh, the rock of the the hill with the castle rock. Yeah, right. And um, you'll notice that the buildings are like taller at the back than they are at the front yes. as well. Like uh-huh. you'll see, like maybe t- ten floors at the front. 
from the Royal Mile, but yeah. you go to Princess Street and there's like 16 yeah. because they built underground. Oh, okay. Like Mary Jane's yeah. Coast. Yeah. Which I'll discuss in another one. Um, and you need to but, take me to. But because everything was downhill. Okay. No toilets, no sewage systems. Yeah. Everything went so, into the loch. Ugh. So you've got your bathroom waste, you've got puke, you've got animal entrails from the slaughterhouse. Dead bodies, probably. De- yeah, dead bodies. It was the most popular suicide spot in Edinburgh, basically. Was it? Wow. it was a, just a massive dumping ground. Yeah. And it was So it was basically a sewer system? An open cesspit. Well, at yeah. the edge of Edinburgh, and that's what you would be. But the Thames was also like that as well. Like it was kind of considered the same where everything got dumped in it. Yeah, but so that's where you would be duked. You would be played. You'd be dropped into that water. Yeah. Well, that that cesspit. Yeah. And now, depending on whether you sank to the bottom, or whether you floated, that's the way they figured out whether or not you were a witch. If you sank to the bottom, then obviously you were pure, free of evil and deceit and all the rest of it. And you were declared innocent. But you were also dead because you drowned in a cesspit. Obviously they're tied up, they can't swim, they can't do anything, they're just going to drown. If, however, you were to float, because, you know, that's what people do. And it would be quite thick as well. Yeah, so a bit thick, so like, you know, you're lying on the corpse of a cow or something. Yeah. Um, that meant that the devil was holding you up and keeping you alive. So you were found guilty of witchcraft, taken out of the loch, taken up to Castle Hill and set alight. Ah. <laughs> but it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Yeah, you just float in war. No, but no you don't. The thing is, your family would be there, like Barry would be there, I would be there, and we'd be poking at you with a stick, trying to enforce you under the water. So it my mum, my mum would literally be like, "No, I won't do it. No, okay, I'll do it." <laughs> so basically, you're forced to kill your family, some of them, because yeah. they're having wow. to force them underwater. So they would be declared innocent. So the actual topic of oh, what really? I'm speaking about <laughs> today, <laughs> after that wee essay. I've got another one. No, but that was interesting because I, I, I am really interested in witches, but you never know what to read, but that was quite an interesting... Wee summary. Yeah, about... Obviously, where... there's a lot more going on and... Because mo- most of the stories I read are from America, so... Yeah, like Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah, because that's my dream place of visiting <laughs> is there. I want to stay in Lizzie Borden's house. Oh, yes. Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. Maybe we should... Do yes. that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Me and my no income. Yeah. And me and my <coughs> no income because I've got two very demanding dogs. But, like, I want to go there, yet I don't realise that there is quite a rich history here from witches and paganism. And, oh, yeah. I'll uh, yeah. be getting into it, don't worry. Oh, good. <laughs> I can't wait, I can't wait. Okay, so one of Edinburgh's most notorious witches was actually a man. Ah. Which is a bit unusual like, in itself. Uh-huh. Um, Major Thomas Weir. He was mm-hmm. born in 1599. Yeah, 1599 in Carluc in Lanarkshire. Mm-hmm. So a wealthy family. He was well respected in the community. Um, living at, he moved to Edinburgh. He served as a lieutenant in the Ulster Rebellion of 1641. And he was in the Army of the Covenant. That's what you were talking about earlier. Okay. The Jacobites, the Covenanters. You're right, Okay. Um, they were the opposing forces. In 1650, he was made a commander of the town guard in Edinburgh. Now, a well-respected man, he's tall, imposing, 
uh, countenance, grim, um, usually seen wearing a long dark coat and carrying a hand-carved walking stick. Um, he lived in rented accommodation with his spinster sister Jean, who was better known at the time as Grizzle. Oh, she sounds <laughs> delightful. Oh yeah. Um, so they lived in the West Bow um, in Edinburgh, around Victoria Street. The one that looks like Diagon Alley, going down to the grass market. So they lived down the bottom area. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they were, like I was saying, he was strict, pious, Presbyterian, highly respected in the church, staunchly anti-Catholic and anti-royalist. Yeah. Um, he... Sounds like a Protestant. <laughs> Presbyterian, dear. So... He eventually retired as a soldier, and in 1670, he fell ill. And he was in church in the middle of a service, and out of nowhere, he stands up and announces that he's a servant of the devil. Okay. He says he's been a servant for most of his life. And initially, the church leaders assumed that because he was ill, he'd, you know, gone mad. Yeah. Stark raving mad. So we're like, no, no, Mr. Weir, you know, sim- simmer down, have a cup of uh-huh. tea. They're in disbelief, they're in shock. So the church members are trying to reason with him, trying to calm him down, but he keeps on insisting that he's in league with the devil, he's practised all these occult rituals and orgies and all sorts. So eventually they seek medical attention and they declare him insane, you know, quite mad, taking leave of his senses. So- the authorities weren't really sure on how to proceed and, you know, they are quite reluctant because of how well-respected he was. So, yeah, like, how could he be capable capable of such atrocious claims, you know? But, like I say, he's insistent, he's a warlock, he's taken part in dark rituals. His walking stick was actually a gift from the devil himself. Nice. And that's where he derives his dark powers. Furthermore... He implicated his sister Grizzle, who verified his claims, mm-hmm. and she even extended upon them, and their fate was pretty much sealed. So they were taken into custody in Edinburgh Tollbooth, Tollbooth, and interrogated. Grizzle, during her confession, talked of the first night when a man, a dark man in a fiery coach, appeared to take her brother away to Dalkeith, and how he was often privy to knowledge that should have been unknown to him. Mm-hmm and proudly showed off a horseshoe-shaped mark that she had on her forehead when she frowned, a mark that she claimed was given to her by the devil himself. She said she had her own magical powers, such as necromancy and the somewhat less... What's necromancy? Um, bringing back the dead. Oh. Like reanimation of corpses. Oh, no, I thought spirits. that was when you... Oh, pumped. you're thinking necrophilia. <laughs> oh, sorry. I guess it's <laughs> No, no. Not... <laughs> No, she wasn't banging the bodies. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. No. Her main power was the ability to spin yarn at an unnatural speed. Yarn which would break as soon as anyone tried to weave with it. Which, if you ask me, suggests she was just really shit at spinning yarn. <laughs> she spoke of other fiery coaches taking the two of them to, take in, to partake in dark practices and claimed that Thomas had learned much of his craft from his mother, who Grizzle claimed was also a witch. His mother was actually well known as a clairvoyant, though. Right, okay. <laughs> so Thomas and Grizzle, depending on their sources, also claimed to have engaged in incest for most of their lives. So another link to Sonny Bean, keeping it in the family yet again. Come on, it was, I mean, America was founded in incest. Yes, but this is a pious Presbyterian and well-respected member of the community we're talking about. 
who everyone was scared of and... It never had sex. Well, except with his sister. Maybe if he had a pokey bum one, he'd cheer up. Right, so their first sexual encounters, it um, occurred when they were teenagers... And it said, the grass upon which they first engaged in sexual intercourse grew barren and has never grown in that area since. So eventually the pair were found guilty and accordingly sentenced to death for the crimes of incest, adultery and bestiality. Mm-hmm. But nothing was said about the witchcraft. And it's, some say it's some really strange attempt at saving faith. Saving face. Oh, he wasn't a witch. He was just banging his sister and his dog. <laughs> nice. So you know it, it's bad, but yeah. So Thomas Weir was gar- was garroted, strangled, uh-huh. and then burned on the Galilee, which is now known as Shrub Hill, just off Leith, um, oh. just up the road from me. Cool. Um, just off Leith Walk and about halfway between the old road of City of Edinburgh and the Port of Leith. Uh huh. Um, upon sorry, is it a, a big distance from Leith to Edinburgh? Like, I thought Leith was in Edinburgh. It is now. Okay, right. Um, Leith Walk is the road that's going down into. So when he was about to be executed, Weir was being urged to pray and ask forgiveness before his execution. Thomas Weir's last words are said to have been along the lines of, Let me alone, I will not. I have lived as a beast and I must die as a beast. It's said that after he burned his walking stick, which, of course, he got his spooky powers from, it was also thrown onto the, onto the fire and it's said that it danced about and moved around in the flames as if it had a life of its own. Uh-huh. Grizzle was signed, uh, resigned to a similar fate, but she wanted to go out in style. So, once upon the scaffold, she promptly took to stripping naked in front of the crowd. <laughs> Story's not over yet, though. <laughs> That's not the end of it. They both took an unusually long time to burn, but eventually there were no more. And as was custom, they were buried at the foot of the hill of the Galilee. Okay. Their house in the West Bow remained empty for a quite a long time afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, people thought it was haunted. They didn't like what it was associated with, and it was report. There were reports of phantom lights, sounds of wild parties and orgies occurring within the old home. Black coaches with dark riders travelled to and from the residence. A giant woman, twice the size of a regular woman, was seen multiple times in the streets, laughing and terrorising the people of the West Bow. There was also gruesome lantern-bearing creatures which roamed the surrounding streets. Shrieking and causing considerable fear and alarm. But then it's the West Bowl and that's where all the pubs are. So, you know, it could yeah. just be alcoholics. But even in death, Weir's reputation as a warlock was terrifying enough that it took until 1780 for someone to move into the house. So that's 110 years. Oh, wow. So 1780, 110 years before anyone was willing to move in. Right, okay. It was an ex-soldier who moved in with his wife but they fled on the very first night after experiencing the apparition of a calf. Ah. Um, So this baby cow comes trotting in out of the fireplace, walks up to the bed and stands and puts his forelegs up on the end of the bed and just stares at them. And they ran away. Um. So the home was empty again, and it's said that around 1830s it was demolished, but... 
It's recently come to light that the house was actually incorporated into what's now the Quaker Meeting House on Victoria Street. Okay. Um, so, you know, not all the remnants of this madman's life have been destroyed. The manager of the Quaker Meeting House was quite surprised because, like I said, everyone thought the house was destroyed. Uh-huh. But then he did mention that his one of his employees had actually once reported having seen Major Weir walk through a wall which would put the original building in the location of the current building's toilet. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, perhaps Major Thomas Weir does, in a sense, live on, not just in reputation, but in spirit. And perhaps on a quiet night, one might hear shrieking and laughing, the sounds of debauchery and revelry from one of Weir's phantom parties, witness odd creatures roaming the streets. Or it could just be a group of steaming students on a pub crawl through the old town. Right. The end. <laughs> Is that that? That's it. Oh, I went on long enough. I think. No, it's interesting. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know any of this. No. Eh. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Stuff I didn't know about. So yeah, that's quite cool. So yeah. So how did you think? How did you feel yours went? Yeah, I think I went okay. Yeah, it sounded really, really good. I liked it. It was uh, informative. <laughs> long. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So with that, um, we bring you to the end of our podcast, Sluts and Giggles. If you've made it that far. <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you don't, well, you don't have to listen again. On social media, you'll find us on Twitter at Giggleslits. We are also the same on Instagram and our email is giggleslits at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group and page that you can like. It's Slits and Giggles podcast and feel free to join us, come chat, give us any feedback and tell us you love us, please. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.